Good morning. Welcome to worship. If you're visiting, we are glad that you're here. Um, this is a time when we um, get together by God's Spirit and worship one another. Um, in the name of Christ, it's who we gather under. Um, before we start with our worship service, I'll go through just a couple announcements um, that you can find on the back of your bulletin. And you're free uh, to ask me about any of these after the service if you have any questions. Um, we have our nursery that is now up and running uh, for ages 0 to 5. If you would like more information about that, it's, it's across the street. Um, someone around you can give you more information if you would like to use that today. Um, but that's now happening. Uh, the youth are meeting at 7 o'clock across the street as well. Church Life Night is continuing this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. for all ages. And those are the announcements that I'd like to vocalize. You'll find more in the back, but um, that is it for now. Let's take a moment, which I need myself, uh, to gather our thoughts, um, to ask God to bring us into this time of worship, uh, to allow us to listen well, to sing with all of our might, uh, and to open our hearts to what he has to say to us this morning. So let's take a few moments now as the music plays to uh, do that.
Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Please remain standing, get your insert, and we will sing back to the Lord what he has just said to us. Psalm 37, 8.
Does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by His providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from His love. For all creatures are so completely in His hands that without His will, This time we have some time in our service to pray individually and silently and also together as a body. Um, as we read from the confession, sometimes when we read out loud, a lot of the time it's hard to even remember what we just read out loud because it takes effort, a uh, different kind of effort to read. Uh, we read about God's providence. And as Christians, as Christians of the Reformed tradition, we believe in two separate truths that we hold up at the same time, which is that God in his providence controls all things. He governs all things, and we are, at the same time, completely and totally responsible for our own choices. Not least of these is believing in God himself. So the confession leads us to the proper response of this, of these two truths, which is worship. We can't logically or philosophically solve how God in his providence governs all things and how we have our own freedom with that, but it is true. He so governs, as the confession says, that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. So let's take a moment to enter into prayer and give thanks to God, give praise to him, um, maybe in amazement uh, for his care and for his love. And maybe you might go into prayer and ask God to help you trust him with this truth even as it is a mystery to us. So we'll take a few moments to pray silently, and then I'll lead us in a prayer together as a body. Let's go to God and pray now. Heavenly Father, your care for this world and all that's in it is beyond our comprehension. No rain falls or flower dies or grain of sand is moved without your knowledge. How much more so do you care for everything that happens with your children? God, we thank you that 
As you say in your word, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and that you turn it wherever you will. Lord, we pray that you would grant wisdom to our country's leaders as they seek the prosperity and justice of every person in this country. Lord, our government and every government is in your hands. And again, we read in your word, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Father, help us to trust that you are doing good in this world when what we see is evil and suffering across the globe. God, we pray that you would bring people to faith and trust in you in every place, especially where it's humanly impossible but possible with you. Lord, again, we read, can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Lord Jesus, would you cause us to be humble in your presence before your throne and to take the lower place that we might lift up those around us. Remind us that we don't know the whole picture of our lives and what's ultimately best, but you do. Help us to trust you, Lord. God, we thank you and we praise you for all that happened in Louisville uh, yesterday, all of the community events uh, from the air show to the festivals um, to the activities at the Dome. Lord, it was a picture of what a flourishing and prosperous town looks like under your care. God, would you encourage us as we move forward into this year that you are doing good things, that you are moving, and that it is good to enjoy the company of one another and have fun together. Lord, we continue to pray for uh, Don's grandchild, Tommy, and his operation. Lord, be with Peyton and their family and Don as they uh, go through all of the difficult moments that something like this will bring. Lord, would you bring healing and would you ultimately bring answers uh, for Tommy as they struggle to find solutions there? Lord, the needs of each one of us are great. Uh, some of us are struggling deeply right now. Lord, would you comfort them? Would you lead us by your word this morning? Would you open up Nehemiah as we seek to know you better, to be changed by the good news that you have for us there? Would you be with the choir as they sing your praises? Would you lift us up together as they lead us in worship? God, all things we do this morning is for your glory and your praise. Would you continue to give us strength to do this? I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please pray with me. God, we simply ask that you would make use of our tithes and offerings in ways that would glorify you and spread the gospel across our town and our state and our country and our world. Would you multiply the efforts of this body and would you use these tithes and offerings uh, in ways that we can see uh, your love for us and your care for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would remain standing, we'll continue worshiping and we'll sing holy, 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 hymn number 100 together, hymn 100. Amen. You may be seated.
Our message this morning is from Nehemiah chapter 8. If you would turn there, invite you to turn there in your Bibles. Nehemiah chapter 8, starting at verse 9. Um, if you were with us this past summer, uh, I was able to, uh, I was given the opportunity to preach through uh, Ezra. And it's fitting, I think, that I get to also preach in Nehemiah when Ezra is on the scene for the first time. Uh, he showed up last week and is here this week. Um, if you haven't been with us or if you need a refresher, uh, Nehemiah is a book about God's love for his people. It's about his protection over them, his sovereignty, his power, his governance over all things. Um, the story up to this point is that God has rescued his people once again out of exile. He's brought them back to Jerusalem. Uh, they have, with God's help, rebuilt the temple where God's presence is centralized, where they worship as a community. Uh, now they have rebuilt the wall that surrounds Jerusalem and provides physical protection. There have been obstacles along the way. There have been enemies uh, trying to thwart the plans of the Israelites. Uh, there have been uh, encounters with the Israelites' own sinful nature and having God work in their hearts uh, to obedience. Um, and the wall that we see built in Nehemiah, it was always meant to point the Israelites to a greater truth, which is that God was their refuge. God is their strength, their protection, their firm foundation. Last week's passage ended uh, with this verse as Ezra and Nehemiah began teaching the people in this great public service, this great public worship service where we read, and this is God's word where we see it said, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And now, we come to the effect of this reading on God's people in Nehemiah 8, starting at verse 9. So if you would read with me, this is God's word for us this morning. <clears throat> and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, I and Elizabeth uh, are, were huge fans of a budgeting software program that's called You Need a Budget. And it stands, uh, you know, the acronym is YNAB. People refer to it as YNAB. 
you need a budget. And the philosophy of this software is pretty clear from the name of the software, which is if you don't have a budget, you need a budget. Um, this program is more than a simple spreadsheet for allocating your money and tracking expenses because the twist is it only allows you to budget money that you actually have. I'm not going to go into how it all works, but I want to uh, point out one thing that's common to almost everybody who uses this software. And it's what I would call the expense and debt shell shock. The moment uh, when someone has added all of their bank accounts, all of their credit card accounts, all of their loans, everything that they have related to money, they add it all to the program. And there's this moment, if you're coming into this program in a position of needing a budget, Usually you have this moment where you put this all in and then it shows you your net worth. And for most people, it's a negative net worth. And you have this graph that shows you just how much you have needed a budget for a while now. It's this moment of shock. And for many, it's a moment of despair. But for those who persevere past this initial shock and despair of the current state of their finances, um, there is incredible joy to be had. And there's this famous way of people sharing about this. Uh, if you follow the online community for this budgeting program, which might sound incredibly nerdy, but uh, I love it. Uh, there's this moment where people say, with great exclamation points, where they say, I'm worthless. I'm finally worthless, which is... They've gotten to a point where they have paid off their debts and actually have a zero net worth for the first time in their life, which might not sound that great, but if you are coming from a background of a lot of debt and a lot of um, other financial obstacles, this is a great moment. And so people will share it every time it happens. For the first time in their life, these people are out of debt, they're out of credit card dependency. They're out of month-to-month -month paycheck living. They're on the road to financial peace. And so when you finally see the truth of your money habits, uh, the reality that you're in, this knowledge can really lead you to life. That was a huge advertisement, but that was not what I meant um, for it. The Israelites encounter the God of the Bible in scripture but they get hung up on the reality of their sinful record as they hear from the law which means the first five books of the old testament typically they see the cold hard facts of their rebellion against god through all the years how god has been so good to them and yet they have turned from him over and over again they think to themselves in our passage how could they stand in the presence of a holy and loving God when all they've done is turn their back? What they didn't see was that God has joy in them, that God has joy in leading the dead to life. He doesn't leave us in our sin, in our guilt, and our shame. He draws us up from the pit the Bible says, from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and sets your feet upon a rock, making your steps secure. 
He puts a new song in your mouth, a song of praise to God. This is what God delights in doing with his people. Knowing God or or coming to know who God is through his word, it reveals this impassable gap, this gap that we know we can't be in the presence of God on our own. But he gives us a way back to his presence and joy. So we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at the roadmap to joy and arriving at joy. The roadmap to joy and arriving at joy. And we'll see that God's given his word that we would know him through it. And to know God is to know his word. And to know his word means to know God's joy. So rightly understood, his word will never leave you in a place of mourning or despair. It will always lead you on the road to Christ. Look with me at verse 9 as we consider the roadmap to joy. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. The Israelites are experiencing what people have experienced for 4,000 years at least, which is they didn't understand how sinners could be joyful. They didn't understand God and his love. They only understood his judgment. Because Israel's history was all about their violation of God's covenant, of his law. And so when they heard in this public worship service, this public assembly, many were hearing this for the first time and about all that they had done and how God had been faithful to them. And they were pierced to the heart. There was this great emotional reaction. It's similar, as I was reading this passage, to the moment uh, that the jailer has in the New Testament with the Apostle Paul where we read that trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The Israelites were there trembling with this grief and mourning and despair. They were hearing the truth of their sinfulness, but they needed help finding the road to the heart of God. You could say the introduction to the Ten Commandments wasn't sinking in for them. Or maybe they just kept forgetting it. Because there we find the unearned, unasked for grace of God for sinners. Where we read something along the lines of, I have brought you out of slavery, out of death, out of Egypt. Now follow me, follow my law. It starts with God's grace and his deliverance and salvation. God had saved the Israelites in the past tense. They were already living in the reality of his salvation. He had set his love on them. And Nehemiah and the teachers that day had to begin teaching them why this mourning and despair wasn't the right response to what they were hearing. To know God is to know his word, and to know his word means to know his joy. All of God's word is a roadmap to 
the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice for sin, the Savior of sinners. We see this laid out clearly to us in the New Testament on the road to Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection. We, we share this passage all the time where Jesus says, or we hear of Jesus teaching, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus connected all the dots that all roads lead to him in the Bible. Every passage leads to Christ. It all concerns Jesus, and with Jesus there is this pure joy. There's forgiveness, there's peace, there's happiness that can't be taken away. And the response of those people that Jesus is teaching this to is that they said this, Did not our hearts burn within us while, we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? The hearts of the Israelites were burning within them. They had this strong reaction to having God's word opened to them. They were moved to incredible emotion. But they needed understanding, which leads us to this arriving at joy moment. How do we arrive at joy? Look at verse 10 with me, please. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because... They had understood the words that were declared to them. We hear a couple things in this passage. One is that the day is holy, repeats this over and over again, and that the joy of the Lord is their strength. The teachers are saying that you can't mourn when God is rejoicing. God is having a party, so you should stop mourning and go home and have a party. They had arrived at joy, but they needed eyes to really see it. The worship service and celebration that they were having wasn't just because they had finished these great walls and had protection from their enemies. Were the people of God reaching some kind of landmark? The celebration was because, as verse 12 tells us, that they had understood the words of God being taught them. That was why they were celebrating. When you have your eyes open to the majesty of God in Scripture, a commentator, Derek Kinder, says it simply. He says, holiness and gloom don't go together. They can't go together. You, may, you might know, I, I spent a big chunk of my life living in California. And in California, there is a Disneyland. Um, you all probably know Disney World better than I do. Um, but Disneyland's tagline, their official tagline, is it's the happiest place on earth. You've probably heard that too. I can't imagine the pressure of building a place with the tagline, it's the happiest place on earth. I mean, to get that right is impossible. Needless to say, there can be no gloom at Disneyland, no sadness. 
Gloom and Disneyland do not mix. Um, and a nugget of wisdom that was passed on to me that I hear in my head all of the time as I go around the country is that if a place is telling you it has the best of something, best burger in the country, best whatever, um, it's probably not true. Or at least you should be cautious. So if you have to tell me it's the best, it's probably not, but it might be. And if you say this is going to be the happiest place I've ever been, it's probably not going to be the happiest place I've ever been. But Disneyland goes to incredible lengths to make sure that they do everything humanly possible to make this the happiest, most consistent experience for families as they go to this theme park. And I read that, for instance, this person said that as you walk through, in this case, Disney World, the volume of the ambient music doesn't change ever. There's more than 15,000 speakers that have been positioned using complex algorithms to ensure that the sound plays within a range of just a couple decibels throughout the entire park. Disneyland doesn't even want your ears to be bothered. They want everything about, about the experience to be happy and good. Disneyland is at war with gloom, with sadness, with all discomfort. And yet, I have firsthand experience of going to Disneyland with my family, and I know for a fact my parents, for my parents, it was not the happiest place on earth, as parents would know. The highs of Disneyland are matched by very, very low lows. Um, <laughs> and so we know if we go into God's word, there is a place where gloom isn't pushed out or covered up. And it's where God is himself in holiness. There is no gloom in the presence of God. This might sound simple to hear and to understand, but a lot of times we don't approach, approach God as if there is no reason for us not to be gloomy or in despair. A a holy place is a joyful place. But if you don't know God, a holy place is only going to be a place of judgment and fear. Fear has to do with punishment, the Apostle John says. When we see our sinfulness next to the holiness of God, and we refuse the invitation of God to enter into his joy, then all that we experience is judgment. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, we read, So we have come to know and to believe the, God, the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Which means, for God's people, we look forward to the day of judgment. We have no fear in the day of judgment because God's love has driven out our fear. God's people have 
confidence, not in themselves on that day, but in Christ, who is their representative, who they are united to by faith. Our record is not judged. Christ's record is judged in our place. Christ was perfect in his obedience and his love. And because of him, we have no fear of judgment. We have no grief, only confidence and this expectation of joy. And so when sinners come to know God truly, as he is given to us through his scriptures, there's joy, there's celebration. We know the story of the prodigal son when he turns from his sinful life and he goes back to the father. We read and it says, he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. That's what it says. Celebration and parties are all over Scripture, because God is a God of joy and celebration. His joy overflows. It fills us up. He rejoices over each one of his sons and daughters right now. The words for the food and drink in our passage this morning literally mean the the choicest and the best food and the literally the sweetest of wine. So the best of the best, whatever the best is that you have, Get it and eat it and drink it. Because, we read, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength means mountaintop or bulwark or protection. God's joy is our strength. So when our strength inevitably leaves us, and it will often, we find out it's God's joy that we're supposed to be drawing from all along. So as you repent of sin, as you experience uh, forgiveness, as you slog through life in this fight against sin and temptation, rejoice in the Lord, for his joy is your strength. Not your feelings, not your job, not your family, not your money, but God. So the Israelites heard the law, and they thought they were condemned because they didn't understand the salvation that they were standing in. God had been faithful to them. He had rescued them from exile, rebuilt the temple and the walls. He was with them. He was their protection, their salvation, and their joy God was telling them, and he's telling us now, that he is faithful to his people. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left me. He's not frowning over you. He's rejoicing over you. And so the roadmap to joy is God's word. Where we arrive at the joy of Christ. Scripture doesn't leave us 
in despair or weeping or mourning. It brings us to a party. It brings us to God's joy, the incarnate Son of God, Jesus, who shared to us through the Spirit by faith. So an application of this is, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Go home after this worship service and eat something really good. And if you don't have anything really good at home to eat, go out and buy something really good. Draw from God's joy. Invite a friend or a neighbor to your house this week and just have a good meal and rejoice in God. So come to the God of joy this morning in Christ and be free of your guilt and your despair from the weight of sin and rejoice because God is rejoicing over you. Let's pray. God, your joy is our strength. We can't keep up our own joy for very long. We base our joy off of worldly things, and those things quickly disappear and break, vanish from our lives. Lord, teach us that your joy is our strength. Give us a time of celebration this week or a moment where we can remember just how much you delight in us, how overjoyed you are for us as we're united to your son, Jesus. Lord, strengthen our faith, and as you strengthen our faith, give us a joy that cannot be taken away. We thank you for your word, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand, and we will worship and sing in response to God's word from hymn number 164, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Let's stand and sing hymn number 164.
Receive God's word over you as you leave this morning and respond with your amen by faith. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing.